After signing with the Utah Jazz, Mike Connolly said, we don't know how to win a championship. Rivals has arrived. All right, welcome to another episode of Rivals. Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck here. So I was at Mike Connolly's introduction to the Utah Jazz in Las Vegas recently, and it, it was a fascinating press conference for so many reasons. But Mike Connolly made this statement, and I thought it was really, really telling in, in a lot of ways, and I think, I think most of them are good. But they ask, you know, what does this do for the Jazz now that you're here and Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers, he doesn't go to the Lakers, so there's a balance of power it's kind of a wide open field. What are your expectations next year? And what are the Jazz's chances of getting to and winning a championship? And he said, we don't know how to win a championship. And I was like, wow, what a, what a refreshing, refreshing comment. And it, it got me thinking about, um, you know, because until you've won it, you haven't won it. Nope, and until you that haven't won comment. it, you, you don't even yeah. know how to win it. So – You've had experiences winning championships in the in the NFL and yeah, losing, and losing, and, and I've had experiences losing in in the NFL and in playoffs and things like that. But I but I had experiences in high school winning winning a championship, and and I I believe that the the process isn't any different. I think I think there's a lot of, a lot of similarities in the process. A lot of similarities. But when you were when you were with the Cincinnati Bengals, and and this is fascinating to me, Jason, the Bengals never won. They, no. they, they. I mean, never won. I mean, they've never won. They've never. They've been. They've been one of those teams that's that has the stigmatism of kind of a perennial loser. Right. It's not a great organization. All these things. We right. both played for the Bengals. We know how it is there. Yeah. But what was it? What was it that drove you to that championship with with the Bengals? I mean, how did you guys figure it out? That year was really special. You know, I go back, like you said, high school and all that. that this principle is not much different. And I was on losing teams, junior high and high school. I never had a winning football season, ever. And even my basketball, my junior year, I went 0-19 and in my junior high school. And I was like – and I played – Scott, I played every game like it was the last game of my life. I, I played in my mind, I'm a champion. I know I'm a champion. And you're like, you didn't know what it was like to win. It starts to weigh on you, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And you're like – well, how, what is it like to win? How do you win? I mean, it, it seems so simple, but it's really like, how do you win? And I never won until I got to junior college. And then I was on a great junior college team at Rick's College and undefeated. And then I was on, you know, really good teams, great teams at BYU. And so all of a sudden I started to win and found out what it was like. And then here you are at the Bengals. We're four okay, and so, 11 hey, that first I, I wanna, year. I, before you yeah. get there, I, I want to – what changed when you got to Rick's College? Was it Was it coaching? Was it – was it the vision of the coach? Was it that you had just really talented players? Was it that in your mind you just believed you could do it? What were yeah. what were those keys to to figuring out how to win that championship? You know, all of a sudden, I was surrounded by guys that were like me. I was in these little small Idaho high schools with a lot of guys around me that didn't know how to win and didn't really care, a lot of them. And like you said, and coaches that didn't know how to win. And all, and all of a sudden, I'm at this great junior college, and I had coaches that were winners themselves, right? And so they were able to teach guys how to win. And then I was around players that were like me, the same caliber of character and guys. And it was just automatic. It was just, we didn't know how to lose. And it was just, it was it become part of you. And then like at BYU, it was the same thing. It was like, 
that 85 team should have played for a national championship game, team, a game again. I mean, literally it was better than the 84 team. Had a tougher schedule. Dropped a couple games with some big turnover games, you know, that we never should have lost. And uh, I mean, we just knew we were going to go out and win every week. And then you go in the uh, to my rookie year at the Bengals. It was the strike year, 1987 strike year. Oh, Scott, what a nightmare. That was your rookie year. My rookie year. So we go in, we're there just two weeks, and all of a sudden you're out on strike for four weeks. And, and it's it's ugly. It's Oh, players hate the coaches. Cause, cause players hate the owners. Right, and you're just football players, right? Yeah. You, you just want you just want to play. You know, you're just like, I don't want – what is all this, like, stoppage and, and uh, you know, guys crossing oh, picket the picket lines, lines and, 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 and scabs and all those scabs things. Scabs yeah. and guys, you know, Dave Remington – key in the you know scab cars that goes by is all over the news <laughs> you're like and i avoided it i went home to idaho and just trained honestly and stayed with family and trained at, down at rick's college and just avoided the picketing and all the crap and uh but then some of your buddies like tim crumry is my buddy he crossed the line and you're like wait wait guys we got to have each other's back but then a lot of the players were mad at gene upshaw didn't feel like he was representing the players very well and so you had to cut several players cross, and it was bitter. And so when you got back to play, man, the, the, the that synergy between coaches and players was not there. It was not. And there was anger and everything, and it was kind of like screw you kind of a thing. And you end up – we had this team that was like 10-6 and six the year before and then went 4-11, 4-12 that year with the strike. And we went into that following year that we went to the Super Bowl – and I'm telling you, we walked into that locker room, and it was like the, all that crap that we went through, I really believe it made the players closer. And it was like we walked in the locker room, and the leaders like Munoz and the older players and Montoya and Boomer and you know Chris Collinsworth and, and just James Brooks, all those guys, it was like and we were a really young defense at the time. But it was like we went in the locker room, looked at each other, and went, we own this. We don't care about the coaches. We don't care about the politics of it. We don't care about the owners. We got this. And I really just felt there was a spirit of the players that just said, we've got this, and really took it over, just took over the season and had a you know magical year, undefeated at home, if you can believe it. <laughs> since Right? Right. But one formula, Scott, that you didn't get to play with Paul Brown. Paul Brown, old Paul Brown, was still hands-on in the organization then, and I think it was – it, it it helped Cincinnati get to those two Super Bowls they went to was because old Paul Brown was involved before he passed away. I think it was one of the keys of why the Bengals had some success. But Paul Brown, what people don't realize, Paul Brown may have had the most influence on the NFL of any anyone oh, ever. Yeah. Like and Lombardi's – like. A lot of people argue that he had more influence on it than Vince Lombardi did. Yeah, and that, yeah. yeah because um, – he the the West Coast offense came from from uh, Paul Brown. Yeah. The idea of classrooms and the idea, you know, all all, all these different. Yeah, I mean, I mean, studying and and uh, play calling and and just some of the organization of the game and and things that are tried and true and still part of the NFL today. It's 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 not this discussion today, but it's fascinating. And I think that's part of part of that championship is that there there has to be that person that that is yeah. the flag bearer the one that says you know follow me and 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 we're we're going to get there did you know a little quick tidbit that you'll appreciate is every monday morning paul brown broke down the game film with the coaching staff 
and I guess he would give them raspberries like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it was old school, but it was like he would take the coaches to school and break down on, the film with on them the film, yeah. on Monday morning before the coaches really got to do it, and then the players come in. He was he was very hands on, man. Even though you know he was just watch practice, he was yeah. really hands on from the outside, micromanaging. And you really should kind of appreciate that. I think if you're, you know, if you're, you know, so a lot of people may not not appreciate it, but but there's this. So there's this leadership side of it. I, yeah, I, we're gonna take a break, but I, I'm. You touched on something that I think is part of this formula. Is part of this is is yeah. that there's a process of failure. Because you, you on yeah. this Bengals team, you went, you know, it was that closeness that brought you together. It was, um, it was losing a Super Bowl, and oh. and then you go to the Washington Redskins, and then you 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 win one. And and what what was it that propelled you to that? And and, and I have some thoughts on that as right. well when we come back. Right. All right, taking a break. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Rivals. Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck, talking about Mike Connolly, the new uh, point guard of the Utah Jazz, when he signed, said, we don't know how to win a championship. Yeah. And and I thought, I thought that was awesome for a lot of reasons. The, the most important to me, though, is I think if you're going to get better, improve – in your life, in your career, I know. I know it really helped me as as I developed as a player was having that brutal honesty about where you are. Like this is where I am today, and and so figure out how to get better. If I'm going to compete, if I'm going to stay here, if I'm going to whatever win championship, I, I got to figure out how to improve from where I am today. But you have to know where you are today, right? And that right. and that's such a, a critical part of things. I I know when um when I was in high school we had um really good football teams we were the number one ranked team my sophomore year we lose in the first round of the playoffs number one ranked team again my my junior year we lose in the first round of the playoffs and you oh. you know you're playing terrible teams too right yeah you know? yeah but it's like your guys haven't you know figured out you right you look back on it, you're like do they know how to win? Do they know how to win that championship? But we'd never won either, level? so right, we, did, right. we didn't know. And all, But what we did know was we're sick and tired of this feeling, and we're not going to let it happen again. And there was this, there was this consolidated team effort of nobody misses a workout. No, there, there, was this, there was this commitment to this process uh, in the offseason. There was, I mean, what we – we had no girlfriends. We had, you know, no one, right. no one like what, no one, we, we didn't drink alcohol like a lot of high school kids do. But, you know, so that wasn't an issue. But for us, it was like no soda, no know, snow cones. Right. No, nothing. Yeah. It was, just, yeah. It was, it was soda pop, but uh, <laughs> right. we didn't even have snow cones. Oh, no. We, we were told back and, in the day, our, in our day, that, you know, carbonation hurts our, hurts yeah, your wind. Yeah. And right? so all of these your things. Endurance. Right. And so we were just like, just a hundred percent committed and focused, and we didn't yeah. lose. We didn't lose a game, won a state championship, undefeated, first time in the school's history. Wow! So you understand you understand that process, yeah. and and you you touched on the failure, 
and the struggle that you kind of have to go through before you can be that champion. Signers so, fire. Man. So you you ha- you experienced that, and you you had a very really I think one of the most painful losses in a Super Bowl. Oh. Because it was so close, and it was really anybody's game. So close, and all you had to do is just stop Joe Montana one yeah. time. Yeah, and you know, and you look back at it, and you know the couple of plays that really, you know, cost us the game. Right? I mean, it was just, and and some of the reasons possibly behind it. Um, you know, just in that the one uh, right before Taylor's touchdown. You know, they um, on the one series we had. Uh, our DB, our corner, Lewis Billups, had had an interception right in his hands. I mean, it was the easiest interception in the world. Uh, Montana underthrew it, and it was just right in the corner's hands, and he dropped it and easy. And then the next play was a touchdown. But Billups was known to be out partying, right, not taking care of business. Great athlete, player, but, uh, you know, was his selfish decisions, you know, cost him to not be quite ready. You know, that uh, we had a double coverage on Rice on one of those slants called, and uh, our safety blew it and went over the other side of the field. <laughs> you know, you're like, what? You know, they run the slant for a third and 20 first down, and you're Forever, like, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, and, I, and you look at the play close. If you go back and watch me, I, I beat Bubba Parrish on the edge, and, I mean, I roll that corner right. I'm pulling Montana to the ground as he's throwing it. And I'm just thinking, at the time I'm thinking I've got the sack that's going to, stop third and 20 and win the game, right? Yeah. I mean, the last drive of the game. I mean, you know, you knew what was going on. And I l- I'm laying on Montana. I look up and I see, you know, you see Rice catching the ball and then running, running for a first. And you're like, and all, you know, if we had had the right play, you know, the one guy would have, you know, either got the sack or he got the interception or the big hit, you know, and the drive was over. So how long, how but, long did that stay with you? Oh, I mean, I mean, obviously you talk about these plays, yeah, just, and like you know, if, if these guys would have been in the right, if they would have taken care of their business, if they would have, if they would have, if it would have really meant enough to them to win a championship, that they would, that they would be there, you know, a hundred percent prepared for the situation. Yeah. But but how long did that stay with you? And and really, oh. the question is, well, like like were you more determined? Well, you go to the Washington Redskins and you go. I mean, do you go there going, man, I'm coming to the Redskins and we're going to win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Okay. I absolutely did. I I mean, that was always my every, – every year, Scott, every year I walked out, I thought in my mind, I'm going to the Super Bowl this year. I mean, I just – that's the way I prepared for it and that's the way I played for it every week. And, uh, you know, I was I was really brokenhearted over that Cincinnati loss. That was a just such a special How long team. did it stay with you? I, to this day. I it mean, stays I, with I can you. live with it. Honestly, <laughs> I can live with it. Because of the winning it with the Redskins, it allows me to let go of it a little bit. But, dude, you know how committed you are to your team family. I mean, I love those guys. You know, and we I had a Super Bowl twenty three reunion just last fall in Cincinnati, seeing Munoz and Collinsworth and James Brooks and you know all my I mean all my D line Crumry. You know, you're dude. It's like your brothers, and we all talk about the game. And they were all so happy for me going and winning at the Redskins. Right. But but it, but so it stays with it you. stays with you. It's easier because your whole life. But how life how do you, that. but how do you get how do you how do you turn that into motivation or focus or, yeah. or do you sit there and go you know what I hate I hated losing so. I'm I'm gonna make sure that there uh, nothing's oh, left. You to make chance. sure nothing left. To chance. Uh, I got back was, the week after Super Bowl. There, and I started training. But were there guys that were having 
this conversation on the Redskins as well. Be, I yeah. just remember Charles Mann yeah. saying that we will never win a Super Bowl with Mark Rippon yeah, at, at quarterback, right? He did say that. And, and so, but then the next Charles. year, Mark Rippon has. Oh, and you know, it's probably one of the major reasons why you go to. Oh yeah, he was magical that year. He was he was amazing. Yeah, he was amazing. So, so, but is it is it Charles Mann calling him out, or is it each player individually saying, "I've got to hold up my end"? I mean, was there a conscious "I've got to hold up my end of the bargain" mentality? There was such an expectation at the Redskins because Joe Gibbs, real like Belichick. And I think Belichick probably got that. I think they crossed over somewhere with Gibbs. But it's very similar in this that he brought in mature players. Very few rookies made the team each year. Yeah. I was an example of that. So he brings me in as an example, a guy that's been to Super Bowl, yeah. right? A journeyman, a, an older player, mature, and a winner. You know, he'd, yeah. he'd been there. And then you look at the team, and all these guys had been to several Super Bowls, two or three. Right, they go. They'd go back to you know eighty two, eighty three Super Bowl against the Raiders and you know Bostic and Jacoby and you go. You get you had so much leadership. The expectation was there, and I'll tell you that locker room was ran by those older players, especially the Hogs. And those anybody stepped out of line, you would really answer to the team, and and the in that culture that they they had, and the expectation, and everybody knew how to win. And I. I the expectation was to win, and there's never even a thought of losing a game. See, I think I you, you bring up Bill Belichick, and I think that there's a process. It's almost like you yeah. have to lose before you can win, and and I think you look at Bill Belichick and the places he went as a head coach, and he struggled, and he kept getting more and more opportunities. He was in Cleveland, and he right. wasn't wasn't good as a head coach. And yeah, he was with the Jets, and. And and he's kind of struggled with some of these teams, and so all of a sudden he becomes the head coach at New England, and you're like, huh? You know, you you don't expect him to turn into that coach, right? But what I think is ha- what happened is this conversation we're having, where you have to learn to lose, you know, before you can win. I remember Kobe overcome Bryant overcome that, overcome right, that hurdle as a, as a rookie, missing a shot to win a game, and essentially put it, put put the Jazz in the in the finals. Um, he he missed a shot. You know, this is Kobe Bryant who goes goes on to win four or five championships and is, you know, one of the top five greatest right. players of all time. And and I you see all these coaches and you see all these players. Even Don Shula, who I played for, you know, he he lost a lot of Super Bowls before he actually yeah. figured out how to win. And and for me, it's it's I think sometimes organizations, whatever it is in in professional sports. I think they pull the plug too soon on people and on opportunities. I agree. And they, they don't let people lose. Yeah. And they and, and they don't let them figure it out and just give them. And that was, in my career, for me, that, that was the most frustrating thing in Detroit. We had really talented teams, and we needed we, – we went through those hard, those hard bumps and those hard roads and those tough playoff losses yeah. – and I, and I I firmly believe had they kept that nucleus of players together, they right. would have figured out how Bengals. how to win those Super Bowls. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they would have kept us that Super Bowl twenty three team together for another five six years. It would have been back. Right. Which, I mean, it was that yeah. kind of a team. But what you're hitting on, I think, is that you're touched upon it, and it's a combination of the ownership, the management, and the coaches all working in you know t- together in tandem and on the same page. And you see that with the Patriots right now. 
And I think that Patriot, the model and the owner, the relationship between the ownership, management, and coach is very similar to Jack Kent Cook, the man, Charlie Castlery, Joe Gibbs back in the day when the Redskins were really cranking. There was no dysfunction you know, in the, in that business model right there between in the relationship of those. You just see these coaches like, just get them out there. And, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta change everything and fire this coach and <laughs> yeah. fire him right in the middle of yeah. the season. And I just think it's, I, I think it's a people that lack vision and lack confidence about this process of winning. You're, it's, it's a hard thing to do. All right. Fascinating conversation. Um, look, this round of rivals is over. We're off to our corners. He's Jason Buck. That's Scott Mitchell. We are powered by kslsports.com, and you can find us on uh, Twitter, at the Helmets Off Podcast, and on Facebook, at the Helmets Off. Oh, it's at the Helmets Off Show, and on Facebook, at the Helmets Off Podcast, uh, just so you know that. But what about rivals? Is this Helmets Off? <laughs> That's, we got to go over, go over and tell everybody how you hey. find rivals, not your other show you're telling them about. <laughs> <laughs> I did that on purpose. You did on their right. shirt, but okay, Rivals. So, so Rivals <laughs> is uh, on Facebook at the Rivals Podcast or on Twitter at the Rivals Show. Got it. All right. I don't mind supporting your other show. Well, thank it's you. All right. You've been on my other show before. <laughs> yeah. All right. Until then, we'll catch you soon.